Hey guys, it's Roman. Uh, I just want to let you know that as part of our quarantine comics summer hiatus, Ryan and I are throwing some quote unquote bonus content into the mix. That's basically our lame ass attempt to get away with a weekly podcast without having to do the work. Because last summer, friend of the pod, Paresh John, I created a four part miniseries called Character Study, which we never decided to air until now. In our character study, we decided to go deeper with one of our favorite comic book heroes, Dick Grayson, a.k.a. the original Robin. A.k.a. Nightwing. And I just realized that Nightwing sounds like what you'd call a late night KFC run. Holy disco caller, Ryan. <laughs> oh, indeed, Rumen. So this is going to be part two of a four-part series where we examine everything you want to know about Dick. And if you want to hear part one, well, go back to the previous part of the feed. And don't worry. Ryan will be back one day or will one he? day. I just need to file these bars and get out of this jail cell. Hey, Paresh. Hey, Roman. You know, I'm thinking about getting a new look. You mean something besides a hoodie, Star Wars shirt, and jeans? Yeah, man. You know, something a little bit, you know, more colorful, maybe something a little bit more mature and grown up. That's probably a good idea. I mean, you are getting old, older. (laughs) Okay, dude, look, (laughs) here's what I'm thinking. Wide open blue disco collar with some gold sequins. God, I hate you, man. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Character Study. I'm Roman Segel, and I have been an old man since I was 15. And I'm Paresh Ja, and I'm eternally young. What's your secret, dude? Super Soldier Serum? Lazarus Pit? (laughs) I'll never tell. But I can't believe we're on our second episode. Chapter. Chapter. Dude, dude, stop. Get get over yourself. No. (laughs) We, look, we got to have our points of differentiation. It's good brand building. After all. All those other comic book podcasts, they nerd out on the stories. We're here to nerd out on the characters that have lived, died, and lived again over the decades. Characters who have been built in stories by many different creators that have put them through the paces. And in this four-part series, we're talking about America's favorite sweetheart, Dick Grayson. More like your man crush. I'm ashamed of nothing. (laughs) (laughs) last time we dug into the origins of our boy wonder uh and this time our boy dick is all groans up and groans up and groans up well i mean not really well he's not a kid anymore teen teen wonder Eh, pretty much so so what are we actually covering this go round fresh well everyone grows up and like all of our adolescent and teen years they tend to be pretty awful and uh, pretty cringeworthy so many painful memories. <laughs> and you didn't have to wear short shorts. I grew up a decade before you, dude. You don't know. You don't know. <laughs> so uh, Dick Grayson's teen years had a lot of takes. And for this episode, we jumped around a lot. Comics from the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. All the hits you love and all the hits you didn't know you needed to love. <laughs> and even a, few, even a few current stories from Dick's time on TV. Like Burt Ward and Yvonne Craig had such a crush on her, dude. No, dude. I'm talking 2018 Titans TV series on DC Universe. Oh, good Lord. Help me. Come on, man. And the Batman, the animated series. You know what? I don't care what anyone says. That show is like 3,000 times better than that stupid X-Men cartoon everyone talks about. I, I didn't say anything, dude. And I mean, the X-Men theme song, I mean, it is catchy, but Batman the Animated Series, like, it will kick X-Men's ass any day. I mean, it won Emmys. Dude, I'm agreeing with you. Shut up. Just <laughs> let me let me have my moment. <laughs> All right, man. So let, let's get started. This one's going to be a wild ride. You want to kick things off? Yeah, yeah. You know, okay. In all seriousness, what's most interesting about this era of Dick Grayson is it's the one that everyone thinks they really know, the one they think of when they hear Batman and Robin, the dynamic duo. You know, yes, he's a kid sidekick, but he's a little bit older. He's that relatable teen. And while there's a lot of Batman and Robin stories in the era, it felt too obvious. 
if you're listening to this and you know a little, you know that Dick Grayson is Robin, you probably know all those Batman and Robin stories. To me, where the era gets interesting is where you examine it when Batman is a supporting character, or maybe not even there. Um, and that's a, a lot of this podcast. But, you know, there's not any one or two definitive stories from this era. As we said, we're covering decades of Robin kind of growing up and explaining how Dick grows up becomes his own hero as Robin, a little bit out of Batman's shadow. You know, there's a lot of character beats. There's a lot of one shots and just other bigger narratives that kind of play out over multiple stories. And a lot of women. And uh, Oh, Dick. Oh, Dick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we, we had to sample. We, we really kind of had to, you know, pick the, the best of the best from this era. Well, I don't know if they're the best of the best, but we had to cover them for, for the purposes of this story, I don't know if I loved all of them. There's definitely some that I really, really loved, but it really covers this time period. Yeah, so for this, we had to cover a lot of ground. So here's what we read. Here's what we're going to talk about, and we'll put the listing in the show notes. But first, we take a step back in time to Teen Titans, OG Teen Titans, number 14 from the 1960s. Then we actually jump ahead a few years in Dick's life to Batgirl Year One, which was actually a miniseries that came out in the mid-2000s, but it tells a a really early chapter in Batman and Batgirl's life. Then we actually jump back to the 70s to Batman Family number 13, a book from the 70s that also talks about Batman, Robin, and uh, Batgirl's relationship. Then New Titans, New Teen Titans number one from the 1980s. Go a little bit deeper into the New Teen Titans with number 38. Then we're going to kind of look at how Robin confronts his past and his future. And talk about Batman number 416 from the 80, late 80s. We're actually going to dive into Batman the Animated Series from the late 90s. The hit TV show, hit web show, garbage TV show, Titans <laughs> from 2018. A couple episodes of that. And then jump into the New Teen Titans Judas Contract. So a massive range of kind of dick growing up from uh, a young adolescent to a teenager to a 20-year-old and kind of evolving his identity along the way. Yeah, and the fact that we're jumping around so much kind of indicates that there isn't really a super definitive story for this time period, but we're doing our best to cover everything. Well, you know, and what I find interesting about that, Paresh, is I I think, yes, there's not a thread, because I don't think writers and creators knew what to do with Dick Grayson for such a long time. You know, after the origin of Robin... Who is he if he's not a sidekick? And people tried to figure it out. They put him in lots of different roles. He went to college. He dropped out. He founded a super team. And there's a lot going on with him. And no one, including Dick, really knows where he's going with it. And it's kind of an interesting parallel to teenagers and even parents. Parents don't know what to do with teens. And these creators didn't know what to do with Dick. But there there is an interesting thread that we can start to pull as we go into a few things. So I don't know. Let's talk about Teen Titans number 14 from, I think, 1968. What do you think, my friend? Dude, this was hot garbage. I did not. (laughs) I did not like this one at all. Wait, then why did we pick it for the podcast? I don't remember why we picked it for the podcast, quite honestly. But when I reread it, I was – it starts off with him basically – okay, one interesting thing from this that I didn't realize is a visual thing is that the Robin costume, I guess the red part is actually a vest. <laughs> it's always been a vest. I knew that from Teen Titans. Come uh, on. Dude, this this is the one of the few times where they very clearly see him without that part, and it's just the green part of his suit. So forgive me if that's something I didn't realize. But that's no, hang on. I, I'm, I'm going to pick on you. This book. I'm going to pick on you. We can edit this out later. The first issue of the Judas contract shows him taking off the vest and Tara thinking it's a strip tease. That's an iconic <laughs> moment. That's true. You're right. And I missed that. <laughs> That's something I'm forgetting. And that uh, is that is why I'm the teacher and you are still the student, Paresh. Carry on. But I mean, I, I the way that the, the way this whole thing started, I know it's it's kind of a relic of of the era, but I don't remember when I first suggested going into this one i thought it was really going to go into more of just how talented he is but it was way too zany from for my taste like it was way too golden era supernatural nonsense that that i cared for that was just well you know 
technically it's the Silver Age because it was in the 60s. I mean, by this point, by the time this comic came out, late 60s, I think Robin was created in the mid 40s. So this was just kind of comics continuing to cater to what kids' interests were. And it's kind of like when you go back and watch Goonies. I'm sorry, I didn't see Goonies as a kid. So yeah. when I saw it as a teenager, I didn't like it. And that's kind of how I felt about this. The, the only kind of redeeming quality of this, and probably I think we pulled this one off like some internet list of great Robin stories, is this might have been one of the first moments where they really show Robin holding his own with his super powered buddies. Cause the original teen Titans were all the other sidekicks, right? It was Aqualad, uh, wonder girl and kid flash and him, and they all have powers and it's a terrible plot. Not even going to go into it because as Paresh said, <laughs> it is hot garbage, but effectively Robin has to hold his own against his teammates. And he does in spades for different reasons, but it was just the first moment where this kid with no powers really can't hold his own. And that's a that's a trend that you see throughout Dick Grayson's career in general. And it's it, it it's not that far off from how Batman is viewed sometimes, but a character who doesn't have powers, who can who can really lead and carry himself in ways that people with powers do not. Does it diminish some of those other people? Yes, it does. But it builds up our boy. And so that's the only good thing I got out of this. Yeah, so let's 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 move on. Yeah, so time, time to time to move on. To let's move on. let's jump ahead. Batgirl Year One. So this one, I read it when it came out. I have the original issues. To me, this is like the Cinderella story of of this chapter of, of this episode because it's technically about Batgirl, but you can't tell a Batgirl story without kind of Batman and Robin being part of it. Mm-hmm. And there's a very good cop bad cop vibe. I I just thoroughly enjoyed this. I thoroughly enjoyed rereading it. My daughter actually picked it up you know, to flip through it because she dressed up as Batgirl for Halloween last year. I love this book. And you argue, you cannot tell any story about Dick Grayson without going into Barbara Gordon, arguably his most famous love interest, Batgirl and Robin. That's always been a thing since it was introduced. And you see the way it's done here. And this story is also done. Batgirl year one is done by Chuck Dixon and Scott Beatty. And same people who did Robin Year One. And there's a lot of parallels with that story, which we already discussed. But the coolest thing about it is the quiet moment. Well, I guess they're not so quiet, but the more intimate moments between Robin and Batgirl's early professional relationship. And the very first moment, he gets his ass handed to him, literally. (laughs) Yeah. And to your point about some of those quiet moments, even though this is a book about Batgirl, I read when I read it for this episode, I read it. I was literally kind of skimming the parts about just kind of Batgirl, because if we do a Batgirl character study, this will be in it. But when you examine Dick's kind of reactions and personality, he's both trying to impress Bruce, his boss. (laughs) Right. And he's trying to impress this girl that he's kind of got a crush on. It's a hundred (laughs) percent. There is there is there is no there's no doubt. It's from the from the moment he lays eyes on her in, in his own book, actually, before he got and, and, and there's a callback to it. There's a callback to that scene in Batgirl Year One from Robin Year One. Yeah, and she mentions it. And it, it, it mentions the passage of time between those two books because she goes, well, at least he's a little bit taller. And I love that she keeps calling him Pixie Boots and that she makes fun of his short shorts. It is the it is a great trope, and I, I will never get tired of it. And, you know, what's interesting, the next book that we're going to talk is about Batman. Let's just mix them up. But like Mm -hmm. Batman Family was a series really about all the other Bat characters and the the two main ones being Robin and Batgirl. And the issue we wound up reading was like this motorcycle race episode. Mm -hmm. And Batgirl in Batgirl year one, Batgirl and Robin riding around on motorcycles through the subway, you know, the streets of Gotham. That's like a big component of their interaction. Like Batgirl trashes bat bikes repeatedly (laughs) not 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 good i don't know what her insurance policy is but she is that's not one of her bruce wayne can afford the deductible it's fine clearly i guess but batman family itself you know i'm jumping around a little bit here but there are moments in batman family too that show and this was written in the 70s that show robin's attraction to to batgirl he he explicitly states it while she's asleep (laughs) yeah and and you know it's he starts talking to her and he literally professes all his feelings to her and oh, turns out she's asleep 
And then he's like, never mind. It's really this, it's this, it's not just unrequited love. It's not just a boy crush. It's this girl. I, I think I sent in a text to you. She's the teacher's daughter, effectively. Commissioner Gordon is kind of his other mentor and boss that he has mm-hmm. to impress all the mm-hmm. time. And he kind of has a crush on her daughter, on his daughter. And this is a, a girl who's been in his life since he was in short shorts, you know, like the foundations of, to your point, his greatest love are kind of laying bare, obviously in Batgirl year one, because it's written from a modern sensibility of knowing what we know about the history of the characters. But in Batman family, what's interesting is the issue of Batman family. I think the internet article told us to read. Turns out I, I, when we got to the cliffhanger, it's actually the next issue is the one Batman family issue I bought at like some comic store when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. But this continual beats of these two's relationship and their interaction with each other and they're helping each other and their personal dramas of being in college. I think Batgirl ran for Congress, dropping out of college. Yeah, what the hell? She was a congresswoman. (laughs) That's not something I remember at all. (laughs) It's the 70s, dude. Women's lib. Rock on. (laughs) And she was – and yeah, she was in Washington, D.C. The the funniest thing was that she was – on a runaway motorcycle from Washington, D.C. all the way to New York. It's like a, I mean, that's like a four hour ride, man. Let's just say the D.C. universe doesn't understand uh, modern geography like the Marvel (laughs) universe does. But but again, I want to linger on this relationship a little bit more because, and I'm sure we'll get into this in, in a number of ways, Dick Grayson has a lot of, a lot of love affairs, if you will. My opinion is that Barbara Gordon is the best relationship he's ever had. And there's another there's another underlying thing here I want to mention. In some other comic mediums, not in some other comic books, in some other other medium representations of Batgirl, she is she is shown as being with Batman in some situations. Now that cannot, makes me so angry. So I cannot angry. tell you how creepy that shit is. That that if anybody reads or anybody watches the Batman the Animated Series that Roman had a little uh, rant about earlier, it is a great series. I love it so much. But the creators behind it, they dabbled a little bit into Barbara Gordon and Bruce Wayne getting together. And that is just not cool. Not cool. Yeah, but because you have to think about it. Let's just play it out. Bruce Wayne is early 30s, late 50s, depending on how you cut him as a character. Mm-hmm. And Barbara Gordon, as she's introduced, and Dick Grayson is like, late teens early 20s yeah so again if she's over 18 it's fine but literally when they first meet each other and it's shown up in multiple mediums she's the commissioner's daughter <laughs> like <laughs> not 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 cool in 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 any in any way so and they actually i don't know if well, you can cut this but in the killing joke the animated i didn't watch it because the book is so much better when we do our batgirl uh character study we will talk about the killing joke yeah she that they have a relationship and that's kind of what i was referring to and again that that killing joke interpretation was done by bruce tim of the batman animated series and he has some sort of weird fascination with those two getting together and that is his only failing well (laughs) you know maybe the reason they're doing it is kind of like literary laziness because Introducing Dick Grayson, introducing Robin, Nightwing, all of these things, even in the original Batman in the animated series, Robin didn't show up for a while, right? He was, and when he did show up, he was kind of, oh, he's this pre-established thing, but we don't want to get into it. And so to kind of, to add Robin, to add Batgirl, to add the Bat family adds layers of character complexity that maybe you don't want to do for a two and a half hour feature film or a 90 minute feature film by DC animated, right? Yeah. So we can totally edit this part out, but what I just oh, really, I, I love it. Yeah. What I really respect about Batgirl year one and Batman family, even though one came out in the seventies and obviously one came out in the modern era is it really examines the foundations of this relationship between these two characters, because we're about to walk away from that relationship for the rest of the books on this episode. But it, yeah. it just goes without saying that, Batgirl is arguably one of the most important people in Dick Grayson's life, past, present, and future. And she doesn't kind of get the credit that she deserves because Bruce and Alfred, you know, they take center stage. Yeah. There's a lot of other stories between them that we can get into, even with in, in Birds of Prey and some of the stuff that Gail Simone did. They almost got married at one point. I mean, there's a lot, but... We'll talk about it when Dick gets older. Yes. Because, again, she's always in his life. She will be back. Tune into the next episode. We'll talk a lot more about Barbara. 
Yeah, but to to move on, I mean, we're gonna move on to new teams. His other I, family, yeah, Dick's other yeah, family, exactly. And to what Roman said earlier, writers didn't really know what to do with Dick Grayson at this time. There were so many, especially when he was away from Batman. If he's without Batman, who is he? Kind of what Dick Grayson was probably thinking about himself uh, internally, and. New Teen Titans is an examination of that. When he's away, what is he doing? Who is he? Who does he interact with? And who's this other family that he inherits? In and it's worth, it's worth noting this book. So there was the original Teen Titans, which was about the major sidekicks from the 60s. And then it just kind of disappeared and went away. But New Teen Titans came out in the 80s. And I don't want to say it was DC's answer to the X-Men, it was DC's X-Men. The two hottest selling books in comics in the 1980s were the Uncanny X-Men and the New Teen Titans. And and they crossed they, over at one point. <laughs> we we got to read that one. <laughs> it's going to be a weird tangent. But, you know, a lot of people talk about some of the greatest shows ever made. And two shows that come up a lot are The, the Wire and Friday Night Lights. And people often say they are flip sides of the same coin about almost the best America has to offer and the worst America has to offer. And when I look at Understanding kind of the pop culture impact, at least with comic geeks, that Uncanny X-Men and Teen Titans had in this era. In X-Men, it's Dark Phoenix Saga and a lot of other really dark shit. And Teen Titans, while it is dark, is a much more optimistic book. And as a kid, I read both, but New Teen Titans is really kind of what, what hooked me. And I literally, to this day... If I'm in a comic shop and I see a like a 50 cent issue of an old new Teen Titans, I just grab it. And like I literally have this collection of random, cheap, old new Teen Titans and Tales of the Teen Titans. It's such an optimistic book. And at the center of the book is the eternal everyman, Dick Grayson, like mm-hmm. literally next to gods, not just the other sidekicks like Kid Flash and Wonder Girl, but these almost like new gods, Cyborg, who represents the future of technology. Starfire, which may or may not have been a boyhood crush of mine. Kitty <laughs> Pride too, but like Kitty Pride was the girl next door. Look up Starfire and understand why a teenage boy might be into Starfire. <laughs> it's and, very easy to tell. Yeah, and and spoiler alert, Dick Grayson and Starfire. I mean, the, his next great love, Starfire, in issue two. I, I bought this issue. I don't know where, but it was the first Teen Titans book I read. Book two they start making out because she has to learn English. And she's like, the best way to do it is to make out with this dude in pixie boots in a cape. <laughs> That's why we had to include like the first couple issues of it. Worked out for him. And no, you know, this also goes hand in hand with the other medium TV. And there was a TV show that came out called Titans. And it really, what they try to do is they try to adapt it to a bit more of a grittier style. A very, very Zack Snyder influenced. You can tell. Yeah, to some degree. And some parts of it are successful. Some parts of it are very not successful. But the the key tenets of, of Dick Grayson, the line, fuck Batman excluded, is 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 really captured in both the the series here and the TV show. So I would recommend anybody listening to this. If you're going to read new teen Titans, read it and then watch the show. I bet you'll see a lot of interesting parallels and it's, it's just, it's kind of fun to see two different versions of it. And to what Roman said about connecting it with X-Men and how it was the answer to X-Men, so to speak, a more optimistic answer and jumping ahead, like, you know, we briefly touched on the beginnings of New Teen Titans. It literally finds Dick in an apartment, not knowing what he's doing with his life. And his mission becomes this new family of pulling these kids together. And you fast forward to three years into the mid 80s and something called the Judas Contract came out. And it is a it's a work of art that stands. New Teen Titans, the Judas Contract. Not only is it a it's a pretty good Dick Grayson story, but it's a great Teen Titans story. And And Dick is at the center of it and he has a major life development in it. Yeah, and two so, actually, I would say two. Two? What's the what's the other one? Well, there's the obvious one of, uh, and we'll talk about then his relationship with Slade and Deathstroke. That's true, and Slade becomes. So let's get into this uh, because because the Judas contract is one of my favorite Dick Grayson stories, and as Roman said, it gets into who he is outside of the the cape and cowl dynamic duo dynamic. He is not Robin anymore. 
in this well, story. In, in the, yeah, the first story in it, him and Wally West, the the Flash, one of my all-time favorite DC characters, my answer to Paresh's obsession with Dick Grayson, <laughs> in this very issue, it's an iconic cover. The cover is the, the backs of these two young men, Dick Grayson and Wally West, walking away in civilian garbs, and their costumes are strewn all over the floor, all over the logo. It's them walking away from the life. Yeah, and right at the beginning, Dick Grayson is still part of the Teen Titans community and 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 helping them and, and all that stuff, but he's not Robin anymore. And he is trying to figure things out in in a very meaningful way that hasn't been examined in, in any of the other main books as much. But what you see happening to him is very exciting because it's finally acknowledging the change, the the change that I mentioned before about why I like Dick Grayson so much, there's constant evolution with him. And in a world of comic book impermanence, this is the moment it happens. And spoiler alert, throughout in, in Judas Contract, Dick Grayson becomes Nightwing, finally. And I think it still holds up. I, I was going back to read it and I thought it might be a little anticlimactic how it happens, but it was validated. They He really goes into why... He becomes Nightwing. The reason he chose the name, all the influences on him from Batman to Superman to to Starfire and everybody, and and really, his parent and his parents, circus and his, performers, yeah, and his parents. And then the other piece of it is Slade Wilson, Deathstroke, the Terminator, one of the best villains of all comic books. Yeah, and you know most people who have seen Deathstroke, they think he he looks really cool. Also. Side note, I'm pretty sure Deadpool is a ripoff of Deathstroke, just in name and and all that stuff. Wade Wilson, Slade Wilson, just a funny little tidbit. But in this, you kind of realize that Deathstroke is Dick Grayson's main antagonist, right? I mean, if you if you were to pick somebody that Nightwing and or Dick Grayson as his eternal enemy, wouldn't it be Slade Wilson? Yeah, I, th- I think he eventually, it's easy for us to say this looking back on f- almost 40 years of comics, but they, no one measures up to be the perfect anti-dick as a Slade. Even in their origins, there's, I don't want to call them eerie parallels, but there's eerie contrasts in the way they're kind of, they're, yeah, I don't want to get too much into kind of how they're too similar, how they're too different, but there's some really interesting parallels and their exceptionalism, the way they were raised, kind of their obsessive nature, even even their familial relationships. And he's just such a great villain. And Judas Contract, again, and, and by the way, Slade Wilson was a character created for the New Teen Titans. He shows up in issue number two, which is kind of in this reading list as well. But the Judas Contract is kind of the climax at the moment of Slade Wilson. And, and what's worth saying, because I don't want to discount the transition to Nightwing, DC in this era made some really bold choices and finally figuring out what the hell to do with Dick Grayson was one of their best moves ever. A couple of other ones, obviously the creation of Deathstroke and a handful of other characters, the um, crisis on infinite earths and what happened with multiple characters. But what then later on wound up happening in the nineties and the two thousands is DC kind of I think committed the the common sin of superhero comics is total take backs. We're going to take back killing Barry Allen. We're going to take back killing Supergirl. We're going to take back all these things. But the thing that's never been taken back, and this is why Dick Grayson is super special for and I will agree with you. Mm-hmm. There have been no take backs on the evolution of Dick Grayson. He's no longer Robin. He will no longer be Robin. He is Nightwing. He is on his own, but he has baggage with Batman and Slade, etc. And yeah, it's, the the biggest issue that, with doesn't superhero- happen, that doesn't happen in comics. That doesn't yeah. happen in comics. Like you just said, they take everything else back. Dick Grayson will never be Robin again, right? There will be more stories told potentially, right? There might be they might go back and tell a story from when he was Robin, but the status quo, the present nature, is that Dick Grayson is now Nightwing or something other than Robin. <laughs> yeah, and and you know it's it's interesting. The the two major times Dick Grayson has shown up on the big screen is you know the terrible Joel Schumacher Batman and Robin movies where he never ultimately becomes Nightwing. 
right? They kind though, of have to though, start a though, though his Batman and Robin costume is very Nightwing-esque. Absolutely. <laughs> but in Titans, right, in the modern era, which starts out with Dick, I mean, literally this show architects over the course of something like 20 episodes over two years, the movement of Dick Grayson from Robin out of the Batcave to Nightwing. And I, I think that actually kind of gets us into the next phase of this chapter. And it's kind of how Robin confronts his past and his future. And, you know, over it's funny, Paresh, I originally only wanted to do kind of comic books and maybe just pick one big book. And you convinced me, let's go look at a couple of takes and even to go look at TV and the interpretations of Dick Grayson across mediums. And in three very different stories, Batman 416 from 1988, Batman, the animated series, the episode Old Wounds from the late 90s, and then the TV show Titans, which I begrudgingly watched for you. Um, <laughs> the, a couple of episodes, uh, specifically the Jason Todd episode, these three episodes kind of tell the same story mm-hmm. of Robin litigating his divorce from Batman and what Batman's choices have been. And Batman doesn't appear in all of these. Jason Todd, the next Robin, doesn't appear in all of these. And in, in the case of the animated series, I think it was Tim Drake. But it's really kind of Dick's replacement envy and dealing with the baggage with Bruce. And it's done so artfully and well in a way that respects the respective medium in each of them. So, I mean, let's just start with Batman 416. I mean, tell us about it. What do you think about this, man? I liked it. It was It was a cool... It was really short. I guess that was one thing that surprised me and how quickly it went by. But it was also very emotional, which I did not expect. So the story starts off with Nightwing basically crashing a investigation by the new Robin, Jason Todd, and kind of saving his butt in that scenario. And then going back to meet with Bruce the next day. And in this situation, they haven't spoken in, I guess, 18 months or something like that since he became... Nightwing since he left. And in this in this storyline, the reason he left kind of goes back to Robin Year One and when he when he gets beaten really by Two Face in that story. In this, he gets he gets a little careless and gets shot by the Joker. He didn't he die. Clipped. He gets clipped. Yeah. He, he like, goes he straight got, through. He got he got clipped in the shoulder and Batman freaked out. And basically told him he can no longer be Robin, but this time it's permanent. And then Dick Grayson leaves, blah, 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 goes to college, leaves college. New Teen Titans. Titans, All that stuff happens. And now he's back. Now he's back to talk to him. And Roman, you called this, you called some of the moments in this, in our show notes, I saw you referenced the show that you watched. So I'll let you say it, but it got very, it's a very, this is us moment. It's, I mean, you literally have, there's like three panels. We'll find a way to like show screenshots on the website or something, but like three panels of these two men staring at each other, you know, Batman taking off the mask, Batman telling the story, the origin story of Jason Todd, which by this point we've already read the street hood who tried to rob the tires off the Batmobile. Yeah. And Dick Grayson bullshit. Yeah, he's like, give me the truth. Give me the truth. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. And Bruce cries. You know, he's literally like, I I couldn't be alone. Yeah, I he literally says, he's like, fine, I missed you, okay? Is that what you wanted to hear? That's kind of what it, what it was like. And, and, and here's what's great about the moment, and in a very kind of this is us sort of moment. So the, char- the, the moment ends, Dick walks out. I think Bruce even tells him to leave and he goes back and he, he runs into Jason on the street and they, they fight some crime together and they have kind of a bonding moment. He's like, I don't resent you. And I'm dealing with my baggage with our dad. And the narration shifts over to Bruce's point of view. And he talks about effectively, I'm proud of my boys. They can't see me smiling right now. And yeah, man, that's NBC network drama. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it goes into something we haven't really discussed, right? So we, we, we're we now in this era where Dick Grayson is no longer Robin. How does that impact the most important person in his life? Bruce Wayne, Batman. There's a lot of different interpretations that you see. Sorry, not interpretations, but there's a lot of different stories that cover this moment. And I would argue that most of them say the same thing. There's two phases of it. There's the anger that that comes with it. It gets difficult. Batman is pissed off. Robin is pissed off. 
Hence the the fuck Batman line in Titans. And he just can't deal with it. And then there's the the reconciliation and the acceptance that this person is moving on, is becoming his own man. And that Dick Grayson also finally acknowledging everything you've done for me, that you've, you've made me a better person. And acknowledging all of that becomes very important. And it happens in multiple series. So we already talked about Titans a little bit. But, but, but you know, you know, it's interesting. So in to kind of close off Batman 418, you almost this book is told because it's a Batman issue, right? It's told from Batman's point. It's most of it's told from Dick's point of view. But Batman and Bruce gets the last word with the secret smile watching his two sons. You know, the next one I and I I loved Batman, the animated series. Great show. I kind of tailed off with the latter seasons because we didn't have the internet back then. And I think I went to college, but (laughs) this episode old wounds from the late nineties, this is the next one. My goodness, this one really litigates Dick's point of view. This whole episode is Dick's point of view. And if Batman got the last word in the last one, Oh my God, Dick gets the last word in this one. Can take us through it for us. Well, I would argue he doesn't necessarily get the last word. But so this story is set during, actually, so it starts off with Nightwing, similar to Batman 416, actually, Nightwing saving Robin. Tim Um, Drake this time, right? So Nightwing saves Tim Drake, Robin. And Robin gives him a little cheap, cheap shot and says, you sound just like him. You're just like him. And that angers <laughs> Dick Grayson. Like you don't say that to Dick Grayson right now. He's like, I'm nothing like him. And uh, I won't, I, I could regurgitate the whole episode line by line. I won't do that. But going, going forward, it, it, it flashes back to when Dick Grayson is graduating from college and dad doesn't come to graduation. Cause he's in the middle of a car chase, punching out criminals. <laughs> Yeah, and he's and Dick Grayson is out with Barbara Gordon, and then you know Batman needs his help. Long story short, they manage to find this. They they they're trying to take on the Joker. The Joker's stealing some stuff. Joker gets away, but they find this getaway driver who they're chasing. The getaway driver goes home, and he's with his son and his wife. Young son, like four yeah. or five years old. Yeah, very very young. Batman swoops in and literally has this father pinned against the wall. And Robin Dick Grayson is looking at Bruce and he says, Batman, not in front of this, not in front of his family, please. He's kind of pleading with him. Like, don't do this. Don't torture him. Don't interrogate him in front of his family. And Batman ignores him. And Robin just says, fuck it. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I'm not doing this. And and there, to be clear, there's a lot of other moments of Batman not showing up for his life. And, you know, Dick Grayson goes out for dinner with the love of his life and being called away and having to make excuses constantly. So there's just so much pent up rage against Bruce. Also, really bad excuse. He said he tells Barbara, I have to clean out. I promised the guys I'd clean out the fridge. I mean, he's a detective. This is that was just really poor, in my opinion. But the 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 story ends with Bruce Wayne basically revealing his identity to Barbara Gordon, them taking on the Joker, and uh, the Joker has some sort of satellite disruptor that's going to stop all air traffic or something. Worth worth noting, by this point, Robin has walked away. The Joker is committing his plot. Batman needs Robin. Robin doesn't pick up the phone because he's not picking up the phone for Batman. So Batman talks to Barbara. It's like, I can't find Dick. I'm going to tell you my secret. I know you're Batgirl. You're the new sidekick effectively. Come on, let's go. Yeah. And then, you know, Dick Grayson finds out they're gone. They're going to fight the Joker. He goes to help. He helps them. Batgirl. He saves Batgirl in the sky. And then they, they take out the Joker. And then Bruce, Bruce and Dick have words on the rooftop. And it is one of the most powerful moments I've ever seen between like in any comic or TV show between Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson specifically. He has a great, he has a great couple of lines. He's angry that he's angry that he knew about Barbara Gordon. He's angry that he told her everything. And, and she goes, I volunteered. This is not his fault. And he goes into like this, diatribe about how manipulative Bruce can be 
and how he does all of these things. And Bruce Wayne looks at him and he says, you know, I thought we had the same goals. And Dick Grayson says, things change. I've changed. And then he throws his mask and cape down. And as Bruce Wayne tries to stop him, he punches him in the damn face. He decks Batman. Dick yeah. Grayson decks Batman. It's amazing. Knock, uh, almost knocks him out cold. I was watching this with my wife and my wife was like, "He, Batman let him do that, didn't he? I don't, uh, what do you think, Grumman? Do you think he let him punch him? I think no. I don't think he saw it coming. I mean, look, if, if Bruce really is a master strategist and manip- manipulative, maybe he did. But I don't think he saw it coming. He didn't think Dick would ever do it. And in that moment, after it happened, Bruce decides, I can't litigate this. I can't teach this man anymore. You know, he's he's grown up. I think I think it really was a and I, I genuinely that moment was so powerful. I actually don't remember what happened after. I mean, they go back to the, the like Dick and Tim talking, you know, yeah, fast so, forward. So, so that's what I was referring to that while Dick had the last punch, it goes back to the to the present and Dick finds a ID outside. That's and right. it is that same getaway driver who Batman had pinned against the wall and almost tortured him in front of his family. Turns out Bruce Wayne has hired him at Wayne Enterprises and he's he's checking in on him. He's never he's never too busy to ask him if his uh if his boy is all right and all this stuff and the last line that Dick Grayson says to him is Bruce Wayne is a good man. And it comes back to that, to the same thing that we talked about in Titans and that we talked about in Batman 416. Dick can be angry about all this and it's, it's, it's tough to move on beyond these moments. But at the end of the day, he knows, he knows what Bruce has done for him. And that is the core tenant, I think. Ultimately, but I'm going gonna, gonna, to flip that on you. I don't I still think Dick got the last word. He got the last word and it changed Bruce's point of view. Bruce wouldn't have taken those actions with the getaway driver if he didn't really uh, Dick great. This this is probably one of the last things we talk about the relationship between these two on this episode, but like Batman needs a Robin. Without a Robin, Batman doesn't have he he has a moral compass, but he doesn't have like an optim a sense of optimism, a sense of hope, right? And yeah. I think that's what Dick brings to the equation in that moment, in him leaving over everything. And honestly, the thing with the getaway driver just exacerbated all the other issues the two had. It was the the match that lit the fire of, of Dick leaving. But yep. after Batman punched him and or sorry, after Dick punched him and he realized that he has a point. He has a point about me, about my manipulations, about how far I go with things, etc. Had that moment not happened, I don't think Bruce would have done those things for the for the getaway driver. So I don't actually think Bruce got the last word here. Well, maybe. I mean, I, I see what you're saying. It's okay um, to be wrong, Paresh. <laughs> <laughs> your go-to line. But the relent... He, we're going did... to print t-shirts that say that. <laughs> it's okay to be wrong. He relented. I, I kind of agree with my wife here in this situation that I do think he, he he let him punch him. But like as you said, that's him accepting Dick's point of view. It's like, okay, well, I know what's happening now. I can't I can't let it go any further. And out of all these stories, man, there's a lot of different ways that we see Robin becoming Nightwing. The Judas contract is great. It really goes into the why. But Old Wounds is my favorite. It's got to be done that way. It's there's just something really powerful to see them interacting that way, and then just because Batman and Robin they love each other, right? Like that's what it's that's what it is to see them at odds, especially with Dick Grayson is is meaningful. I agree. I I, I think old wounds and back row year one are kind of the MVPs of the story, but I think where old wounds kind of edges it out is old wounds is one hundred percent about Dick's grievances and kind of his growing up and his origins of evolving from Robin to Nightwing. And I don't want to throw the next book under the bus. It's kind of the last thing we're going to talk about. But 2017, 2018's Titans, season one, there's a couple of episodes of this, but like the one that honestly was, there's an episode at the end of season two where Dick becomes Nightwing. And I guess it's fine. But the Jason Todd, you know, it's funny. That was the only one you told me to watch. And I went on Wikipedia. I was like, well, let me read all the episode summaries. 
and one caught my eye, the episode called Jason Todd. And it's in the same vein of Dick litigating what's going on with my replacement? What the fuck, Bruce? And there's no Bruce Wayne in this story. It's literally all minus some action that has to do with like plot devices. It's kind of moments and character beats. And there's just like a solid five minutes in the middle of this episode in the car, in the elevator, in the safe house between Dick Grayson and Jason Todd, the new Robin having this conversation at this point, Dick Grayson is technically still Robin, but he knows he's doesn't work with Batman. He doesn't know if he wants to be Robin anymore. And spoiler alert, a season and a half later, he will become Nightwing. But in this moment, it's literally hearing Jason's origin story, but there's so much like nuance to the things that are said between the two via Frank Lloyd Wright stealing (laughs) the hubcaps no offense, dude, you got to admit the old version was kind of outdated about the costume, but they're really talking about the characters. There's something the, powerful about the way this episode was done. The and by the way, are, I, I hated Jason Todd. And you I, you have to hate this kid. I, the lines are good. The actor who plays Jason Todd, I don't know. I don't know if it's like you have to hate Jason Todd, but God, I really hated Jason Todd <laughs> in this episode specifically because he's just... Also, I don't like the actor. I think they could have gotten another actor. I just don't think he's right for the role. The guy who plays Dick Grayson, I think, is, is pretty good. But I think he's great. I mean, and the one thing I'll say, I, I don't like the Titan series, to be very it, brutally honest. But you know, I, love a, a, I, I love the casting. I love the casting. In terms of the story, it doesn't. In terms of like season structure and all that stuff, it doesn't progress that well. But the moments of Nightwing and all of that stuff and Robin are good. And the like you said, the the casting is is pretty good. Well, I almost think... Except Batman, except Bruce Wayne, whoever the guy is. Someone else on the internet of our two listeners, please make a super cut of Titan season one and season two of just make it a story about Dick. Like, I know you can't do it and it's you kind of need to know what's going on with all those stuff, but I, I'll take title cards that explain all the in-between plot stuff between the, the scenes. <laughs> but I... I mean, the casting on the entire show is good. Raven's great. Corey's great. I did read in Wikipedia that Corey and Dick and the TV show did sleep together. And I in, that, in, in, so the best episode of Titans is season one, episode five. It's called together directed by my good friend, Mira Menon. Shout out to her third fan of the podcast. Friend of the pod. Friend of the <laughs> pod she, in that episode that, yeah, Dick Grayson and Starfire sleep together. There's also just this whole training montage. And I already said the line earlier, I, I think, but no, you didn't. You didn't. Oh man. I didn't say the line. This but, is, this is the answer to Batflex's response to the Flash. What's your superpower? I'm rich. Go on. <laughs> and and th- this is far more effective in my in my opinion. But there is a whole training montage with all the Titans. You see Raven do her thing. You see Starfire do her thing. You see Beast Boy do his thing. And at the end, Dick Grayson is about to you know call off the training, but then Beast Boy says, "Hey man, what about you? What do you do?" And he has to, the best to, line. To, to Dick Grayson. Yeah, to Dick Grayson. He's like, what do you do? What's what's your thing? And he simply says, I'm the one who keeps you alive. <laughs> and that's so, this so is good. why this is why Dick Grayson's a leader. This is why the guy without powers is the most powerful person. Uh, a quick callback to the Judas contract. Uh, you know, in the kind of climax of the Judas contract, Deathstroke is taking out all the Titans one by one. Actually, before he tries to take them all out, he tries to take out Dick Grayson, the guy with no powers. And he's the only. Oh, actually, he's uh, he's the Dick Grayson's the last one. Yeah, right. He's he's the last one. And so at the end of the whole thing, Deathstroke, after taking out all of the Titans, all of these like super powered gods, he's like, time to take out Dick Grayson, and he can't (laughs) because Dick's the best man. Yeah, because Dick Grayson is the best leader in all of comic books. I said it. I'm not. I'm not going back on them. Them them's fighting words. Steve Rogers might. No. No, Steve. I'm no. sorry. No, no, no. no. I, I do now. There's no way. All right, hang so, on, no, hang on. So, this, this is like Steve, this. Steve, this is Steve a deep. Rogers. This is a deep cut. This is a deep cut. Steve this Rogers is is great, right? He has a lot of good training. He's but you know, in terms of being a tactician, Dick Grayson is oh, superior. Like, okay, okay. Like like this is this is its own episode. <laughs> this is like a bonus deleted content director's cut shit. Steve Rogers <laughs> inspires people. He emotes and relates to people like Jed Bartlett does. He brings out the best in people and he is a master tactician and 
he has the super soldier serum. So he's got all the Batman training and the super soldier serum. The only I, thing he has on Dick Grayson is the super soldier serum. Disagree, I argue, disagree, disagree, disagree. I argue <laughs> Dick Grayson can do all of those things better. No, and no, he no. does that for all of the DC universe. He's connected with everybody in the DC universe. Dick, the way where Dick Grayson loses against Steve Rogers is the Jed Bartlett moments. When someone meets Dick, they're not in awe of Dick like they are Clark Kent or Bruce Wayne, right? Of these Titans. When people meet Steve Rogers, he is a living legend. It's like talking to the president. You will do anything he says because you respect the office where he's been. And there have been so many characters. Oh my, we have to do a Steve Rogers thing. Like I don't even you're, like him that much. You're you're, ta- you're talking about you're talking about stature. I guess is not the same no, thing. But, as but, the- but at the same time, he relates personally to everybody. The handwritten notes. He's the guy who'll make the call. He's the guy who show up at your buddy's funeral. Dick Grayson. Yeah, Dick Grayson's the one who will you know help you move, man. He'll take it. He'll take care of everything. So will He's- Steve. So let's let's we gotta cut this part. <laughs> I, I think we should come back to this. But to be clear, do I like Dick Grayson or Steve Rogers more? I I I can have a beer with Dick Grayson. I and you can have a beer with Steve Rogers, but I'd be a little I'd feel intimidated by it. I can't relate to Steve the way I can Dick. But your original statement and your original premise was who's the greatest leader in all of comics. It's Dick greatest, Grayson. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> your 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 emotions cloud your judgment. Your it's emotions. okay to be wrong, Roman. It's okay to be wrong. <laughs> It is just fine to be wrong. We know this. You'll you'll you will learn with time. I'm doing literally four episodes on this guy, man. <laughs> so yeah. for Ed, I gotta ask. What's next? What is next? That is a good question. What is next is Nightwing. The core years of Nightwing. We're gonna go into a lot of I, I would say also Rumman's favorite favorite moments I would absolutely say. absolutely it's really about primetime nightwing and the main thing we'll be discussing is the original nightwing series by chuck dixon and that run is an all-time run for anybody who likes comics if it's- you just want a wild ride with a character you kind of recognize pick up the first three to five volumes of nightwing so good <laughs> it's really when he grows up and no, he's, he's grown up he's grown up at this point Sorry, yeah, when he when he is an actual grown up and basically we we can go into some of the other things we were just talking about as uh, Dick Grayson as a leader, all of this stuff comes into play during this era of his life, how he is the glue of the DC universe. It becomes very clear. Also, his his love life is also on full display. Hey, you know what, Paresh? Yeah. There will be blood. <laughs> <laughs> And that's our show. Like what you heard? Be sure to share with a friend, subscribe, and leave us a review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. See lots of pretty pictures of books we read at qtdcomics.com. And since we're sure no one's listening, prove us otherwise. Shoot an email over to say what I got right and what Ryan got wrong. qtdcomics at gmail.com. Give you a social media handle, but we're old, and that feels like too much work. I'm Roman Segel. And I am and have always been Ryan Jones.